Training's hard. Really, really hard. Steve Sarkeesian and the Longhorns start the 2022 season 1-0 after a 52-10 victory over Louisiana Monroe. Cameron Parker, Wes Scott Eberts here to recap the week one victory. Wes Scott, how you doing, my man? Doing all right. Uh, winning wasn't too hard this week. No, it wasn't. Uh, wasn't the prettiest victory the start, but Texas started rolling towards the end of the first half, and by the second half, it was a blowout. It felt like the score was not indicative of how the Longhorns played in that game, especially the defense. I thought the I thought the defense was good. Yeah, in terms, of, I thought the defense played a lot better than what the scoreboard showed. It felt like the offense, maybe it was the the bad punt, the missed field goal, uh, selling for a field goal inside the red zone, and then the interception. But it felt like Texas, they could have scored a lot more than the 52 points that were put on the board. Yeah, and of course, um, you know, defensive touchdown, special teams touchdown. So, um, you know, offense didn't quite produce as much as, as the scoreboard indicated with those um, with those scores from the other two phases. Either way, 1-0 start to the season. Texas has now won their last four home openers, which is nice to see if you're a Texas fan considering the back-to-back losses to Maryland. Uh, I don't think Charlie Strong ever won a home opener. Maybe it was Notre Dame was the only one he did. Uh, yeah. Some tough op- losses to UCLA and Jerry World. So off to a good start. Now, of course, that will change drastically this Saturday against Alabama. But for now, let's just focus in on, on last week in West Scott. What was your biggest takeaways from from the first game? Yeah, well, I thought, um, you know, Steve Sarkeesian mentioned last Monday that, you know, he was happy about the explosiveness um, in all three phases. Um, you know, I thought we definitely got a look at that, uh, particularly on defense and special teams. Um you know, they, they had a plan coming into the game that, you know, kind of uh, the script on offense, but uh, they had a script on on defense, too, and special teams where, um, you know, they thought if they if they won the toss, they were going to defer. Um, they thought that they were going to be able to get a three and out against Louisiana Monroe. And then uh, they thought if they they got the protection look from the uh, Louisiana Monroe punt team, uh, that they'd be able to block the kick. And, you know, they did all of those things, uh, went up. Seven nothing very early in the game after that uh, punt block return by Keelan Robinson, and then um, you know Deshaun Jamison showed his explosiveness on the interception, sixty nine yard interception return um, in the second half. So I thought you know those two things played out. Um, you know one of the bigger disappointments was you know not having quite as much explosiveness on offense as they wanted with um, you know, Quinn Ewers and able to hit some of those shot plays. Um, to to uh, Xavier Worthy, kind of missing on um, you know two of those post routes, and then you had to look at Worthy in the end zone uh, when he came open, and um, you know Sark said that uh, yours was a little uh, crossed up on on the play call on that one. Yeah, the the last one that you're talking about was the drive that resulted in a field goal, correct? When Worthy was down the sideline and. Yours kind of overthrew him. It looked like on replay that he thought Worthy was going to cut to the middle of the field, which was wide open. The safeties had come up. Uh, instead, ended up overthrowing the back of the end zone. Would have been a tough play to make. And then the interception, I think, the first play of the game, I think Ewers just wanted to go deep. 
and he wanted to find the, the best player on the field, which was Xavier Worthy. And instead, nearly was intercepted, probably should have been Worthy, made a good play on it to prevent it from being intercepted. But, I mean, he had Casey Keene kind of wide open across the middle of the field. And I think from that play on, Zark kind of talked to him and said, hey, don't be afraid to check it down. And for the rest of the game, yours was great on those check down throws. Yeah, no question. Um, and, uh, you know, I think on, on some of those checkdowns, you know, B. John Robinson is, is a big player on those checkdowns. But, you know, I thought um, Jatavian Sanders uh, yeah. looks like well, he has a good connection uh, with Quinn Ewers. Uh, Ewers said that, um, you know, that they had been throwing a little bit uh, together after he entered the transfer portal last year. Uh, that chemistry has kind of, you know, carried over to, to Ewers' arrival. Um you know, Sanders, obviously a big guy, has really great hands, uh, maybe the best hands on the team. And uh, the best best performance by um, a Texas tight end in, in receptions since 2011, DJ Grant, uh, most yards since 2007, uh, Jermichael Finley um, against Oklahoma. So, you know, it's been a really long time that, that Texas has been struggling at, at the tight end position. Um and they've had guys with injuries, DJ Grant, Blaine Irby, uh, both had significant knee injuries, uh, guys that didn't work out, Blake Whiteley, uh, a lot of guys that they converted from, uh, you know, from the defense linebacker or defensive end, um, you know, Greg Daniels, um, Quincy Vasher, um, Andrew Beck, uh, Caleb Blewett. Um, so, you know, Texas really just been struggling for so long um, to find a tight end like Jatavian Sanders. Um, made huge improvements um, since last season. And, uh, you know, he looks like a guy that you know, is really going to be that security blanket for Quinn Ewers. Um, first college completion and first um, college touchdown both thrown to Jatavian Sanders um, for Quinn Ewers. A lot of tight ends since Jatavian Sanders and Jermichael Finley, those receptions and yards. That's uh, Gerald Goodrich brought it up in our, our Burn Origination Slack, I believe it was yesterday, Westcott, and it was just hit me like, wow, Texas has not had a you know a good tight end really since Jermichael Finley, Kate Brewer, and Andrew Beck were, were you know solid tight ends, but Sanders is definitely going to be a playmaking type that reminds you of Jermichael Finley, where he might be. Ewers' top target on the field the rest of the season. Six receptions, and Worthy only had two. Any other takeaways from that first first game for UT? I thought I thought Baron Sorrell looked good. Um, yeah. Marvian Overshone you know, was really all over the field early. Um, I thought he really had some plays where, where he showed off his, his sideline to sideline speed. Um, and then, you know, Louisiana Monroe on that um, you know, after the Ewers interception got down towards the goal line, I thought that was a good goal line stand for Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, on the third down play, you know, Overshone was was coming off the edge. Um, you know, they tried to fake a run, looked like they were going to they were gonna bootleg it, uh, see if they could get Chandler Rogers on the edge. And Overshone um, just chased him down from behind. And so I thought um, that was a, a, a good debut for him, um, you know, playing off the edge. You know, I think – you know, certainly that's going to be a difficult role for him at, at, at times. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure about what type of pass rushing arsenal he has and, um, you know, whether he really has the, the strength, um, you know, to be able to beat, you know, a lot of the offensive tackles that he's going to see, especially, 
you know, getting into Big 12 play. But, um, you know, so, some positive signs um, there off the edge for Texas. I'm a little bit disappointed, Ovi Okofu. Um, you know, didn't really flash at all. But I thought, you know, Ethan Burke came in and, um, you know, Jamon Tapp also had, um, you know, some moments there, even using um, Ethan Burke, you know, as a spy at times, you know, playing at the second level and, and spying Chandler Rogers. And so I thought, um, you know, that the debut from the young guys, um, you know, was positive too as well for the long ones. Yeah, two TFLs for Sorrell and two as well for Overshow and one and a half sacks for Sorrell. Yeah, I think it was really encouraging for the Texas defensive line, Westcott, because it felt like Louisiana Monroe, every time they would try and run either inside zone or even off tackle, it just was not going anywhere. A big game for Keandre Coburn. I think we talked about it last week on the podcast that, you know, Keandre Coburn just seemed like he disappeared last year. And the same thing with Overshone, where it felt like at times you couldn't tell they were on the field. But against Louisiana Monroe, it felt like you could. Yeah. Um, you know, sack, sack for snacks. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, I'd have to look. Let me see if he, I'm, I'm not sure if he had any sacks at all last season. He had one. Looks like he had one sack all 2021. One, yep, one sack last season, one sack the year before. 2019, he actually had two. Um, so I think I think a positive a positive de- debut for him. Um, a positive debut for the interior offensive line as a whole. Um, you know, the, the rushing for Louisiana Monroe, uh, 2.2 yards per carry for the game. Um, they did give up a 23-yard run, but, um, you know, other than a scrambler uh, scramble by Chandler Rogers, uh, no runs over 10 yards. In fact, you know, uh, the top two running backs, Malik Jackson, Andrew Henry, um, Jackson, longest run, four yards. Henry, longest run, seven yards. So, um, you know, impressive job by, by the Texas defensive line. Um, you know, but Louisiana Monroe, um, you know, not a very good team. Um, and certainly, you know, the offensive line was you know, probably, I think, the biggest concern that Terry Bowden had um, coming into this game. So, you know, I'm, I'm not sure, you know, if this exactly – means that there's been a lot of a lot of growth for the Texas defensive line and and that front seven after struggling so much last year but um you know it was uh, an instance of you know taking care of business in the total yard stats it looked pretty close it doesn't look great for Texas but a lot of that came in garbage time 121 yards of total offense came on the last three drives for the Warhawks and that was when Texas was playing nothing but twos and threes but before that the first half and most of the third quarter the longest drive of the game for Louisiana Monroe was 25 yards that was it and yeah, it had been um, a punt and Texas Texas substituted a lot uh, very yeah. early defensively so you know, even those early stats for Texas, um, you know, a lot of the twos, you know, really seeing the field, you know, early in the game for the Longhorns. So I wanted to do overreactions or not with you, Westcott. I'll give you uh, give you a statement. Let me know if I'm overreacting or not. All right, you ready? Yep. It's going to take a handful of games for Quinn Ewers to get comfortable. Um, I think that's an overreaction. Um, I thought he, 
I thought he was pretty comfortable. You know, he had, he had mentioned coming into the game that, you know, he thought that he was going to be, you know, a little bit nervous before the game and, you know, kind of before that first play. Um, you know, he told us after the game that, you know, once he, he got out on the field, he kind of, you know, took in took in the crowd. Um, and, and he said that he felt, you know, really comfortable after that. He didn't feel nervous. Um, you know, Steve Sarkeesian said that, you know, the, the training wheels are, are off for him now that, that he's really – you know, handing him the offense. And, you know, I thought that, um, you know, that interception wasn't an instance of feeling uncomfortable. He, it was just, um, he, you know, he was forcing it. And, you know, you know, what Steve Sarkeesian told him is that, you know, you have to reserve the right to punt sometimes. And so I thought, you know, after that, you know, he, he made that throw to Jatavian Sanders down the seam um, that was in a tight window. I didn't think that he really necessarily, you know, put the ball at, at risk on that play. Um, you know, I, I th- and I thought, you know, he, he's really settled in, you know, after that after that interception, you know, didn't hit all the throws that, that he wanted to hit. You know, he said that they'll get that fixed. And I think for young quarterbacks, um, you know, that those post routes – the two that he missed to, to Xavier Worthy, you know, those are those are hard throws to hit, um, particularly because you have to be on the right page uh, with your wide receiver, with you know how they how they bend their angle, you know, on that post route and, and what they read, um, you know, from the safeties. And I remember writing an article, um, I think it would have been, you know, 2019 maybe, uh, when Sam Ellinger was struggling to hit Devin Duvernay, you know, on those plays. And so, you know, just having the wide receiver, you know, moving you know, in, in two dimensions, um, you know, across the field and down the field, you know, I, I think is a, is a difficult throw to hit, but, um, you know, I think yours has, has the talent to be able to get on the same page uh, with Worthy on those. And, you know, Texas will certainly need that, um, you know, to happen quickly. I read during fall camp that yours throws a pretty ball and you hear that and just like, okay, whatever that means. Um, it's it's incredible in person. Well, Scott, you were there at the game, the press box. I was in the stands. The way it just seems so effortless. Like it, it's the spiral is so tight. I watched. I was like, okay, now I get the hype around Quinn Ewers, and I think Sark's going to keep the offense really vanilla for that first game, heading into Alabama. And the same thing for Alabama too. They kept their offense really vanilla with Bryce Young. I'm really interested to see what Ewers looks like. If Sark does uncork the offense for him, because um, everything else I thought looked great. I mean, he had that one throw over the middle to to Chavion Sanders between two Warhawks defenders. I mean, there how many quarterbacks can make that throw? Yeah, there's not very many. I I don't think that there's even a lot of quarterbacks that would that would try to make that throw or to think that they could. And you know, Sanders said after the game, you know. He came off the field. He was like, wow, that was a dime. And Quinn Ewers, you know, told him, you know, I'm going to put it there every time for you. And um, Ewers, Ewers was a little bit too humble to um, repeat that comment to us, uh, you know, when um, when he was talking to us. But, you know, behind the scenes, that's the, the level of confidence um, that he has. And he has that level of confidence because, you know, he's he's been making those throws, um, you know, for a long time in, in his football career. And, you know, I, I remember, you know, the first time I got to see him uh, throw in person was during the spring, um, you know, when we got when we got a look in, in practice. And, you know, I, I just remember thinking that, you know, the ball just looked different coming out of his hand than, you know, really any quarterback that, that I've ever seen 
um, you know, in person, you know, I've, you know, seen Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, uh, you know, Pat Mahomes, you know, kind of similar stages of their development. And I, I don't remember ever having that feeling and, um, you know, kind of, you know, when you watch open practices, when there's a lot, you know, going on, you know, uh, different groups all across the field, you kind of catch things, you know, out of the corner of your eye or, or maybe late sometimes. And you know, there's a throw later on in that practice where, um, you know, I saw the end of it and, and how it, you know, just settled right on, on the receiver's fingertips. And, you know, I thought that there's only one person who could have delivered that pass. And, and sure enough, it was yours. So, um, you know, just really remarkable, you know, arm talent for yours and, you know, already starting to see, you know, that play a little bit. And I think, um, you know, we're only going to see more and more of that as the season goes on. There was only two things yours couldn't do on Saturday, West Scott. Connect on a deep ball to Xavier Worthy and drive his car after the game. <laughs> UT Parking and Transportation Services got Quinn Ewers. Uh, yeah, not even maybe 10 minutes after he got done talking to this. Uh, I tweeted out that his that his uh, car had been towed. Uh, rough life out there. For UT football players, uh, fortunately, you know, if, you're, if your car gets towed, then you don't have the, uh, the temptation to take a tire iron, um, you know, to the boot and uh, get yourself in trouble. <laughs> I wonder, was it the Aston Martin that got towed or, or a different vehicle? I don't know how many vehicles he has. Uh, he probably has two. I imagine that he wasn't driving the Aston Martin to the game, but I don't know. UT parking and transportation is in mid-semester form already, heading out tickets. All right, second overreaction for you. Special teams will cost Texas a game this season. Overreaction or not? Uh, I don't think that's necessarily an overreaction. Um, you know, a couple – couple um frustrating plays i think you know for jeff banks um you know one of them was xavier worthy um fielding a punt on the bounce uh, banks i think was out past the numbers screaming at worthy after that play um you know certainly pretty risky um had the badly shanked field goal that came you know off of a poor hold from isaac pearson um, and then Pearson, you know, dropped a snap and, and had to go full Aussie rules football mode and, and barely got off the punt after that. Um, you know, so a little bit of, of a rough debut for Pearson. Um, you know, I, I would expect him to be able to, you know, settle in with, with how he handles, you know, the punt. Certainly, you know, Michael Dixon, you know, had some of those issues um, when he was, you know, first starting to play American football, you know, first live game reps for Pearson. Um <clears throat> In terms of the holding situation, you know, Texas could certainly go back to Hudson Card, you know, who did a lot of the holding last season. Um, but, you know, I think really the field goal kicking is the biggest concern. Um, Bert Auburn made his first attempt from 41. Um, certainly the second one, you know, wasn't his fault. But you know, I think that's really the one area um, that's a big concern for Texas. Otherwise, you know, Worthy had that, you know, impressive, explosive punt return. Um, Texas blocked that punt. Uh, Deshaun Jamison now um, on the punt block team instead of returning punts that paid dividends immediately. I um, mean, Keelan Robinson got another one too. So you know, I, I think you know all told, special teams should be a net positive for Texas. Um, but that field goal situation, you know, is still really concerning to me until we can see you know Bird Auburn or you know possibly Will Stone if he gets a look. Um, just show some in-game consistency with that. Yeah, I think you mentioned it during the game. Anything over 40 yards will be found money 
with Bert Auburn. Uh, his first field goal looked good. PATs, uh, Ronnie McKe- kind of like Cameron Decker a few years ago, where he was just flirting with the upright a little bit too much and eventually ended up missing one. Holding issues was a concern for Isaac Pearson, considering he's been here for two years, and, and quickly Hudson Card came in. Interesting to see if, if Sark will just go with Hudson Card. Card was the holder, I think, is his true freshman year at Texas, if I remember correctly. Um, do you think Danny, so Danny Trejo, who's not an actor, the actual punter, he came in, he punted twice in that ULM game on Saturday, the net average of 40 yards. Do you think that was more of just playing because it's garbage time or playing because Sark was so sick of seeing Isaac Pearson after all the mistakes? I don't think I really have a, a good read on that, actually. I, I, I think most likely they they just wanted to get some some game action for, for Treo, um, you know, just in case you know, Treo, uh, the Texas Wesleyan transfer um, arrived during fall camp. You know, Texas really wanted to make sure that they that they had, you know, a little bit of depth at, at that position because they didn't have a backup punter to Pearson. Um, you know, certainly I think. Pearson has a bigger leg than, than Trail, but you know I think if they if they need a little bit of a higher level of consistency at some point, you know I think it's possible that they could use him. I think that was you know a, a solid addition for the program and, and just provides them a little bit of margin for error. So you know I think um, you know being able to bring him in, the guy that has some actual college experience, even if it was at the NAIA level, um, you know provides some depth in a needed area. My prediction is that in some way, shape, or form, the kicking or punting game hurts Texas against Alabama on Saturday. But uh, that will yeah, remain to be, be seen. Surprised. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised by that. Third one for you. Pete Kukowski and the Texas defense is back. Yeah, I think that's a little bit of an overreaction. Um, oh. Just based on one game, you know, Louisiana Monroe um, won four games last year. I think they might struggle, you know, to win that many games again this year. I, I think Chandler Rogers is a decent Sun Belt player. Um, I just, I don't think that they have um, very much. I mean, Boogie Nye is a guy that walked on at Ohio State and Akron before, um, you know, getting a scholarship with Terry Bowden and Akron, and then you know coming to ULM. Um, you know, it's. It's just, it's it's not a good team. Yeah, it, it's definitely not. But average two point two yards per rush, which I think is at least a, a good sign for a Texas rush defense that struggled at times last year. The passing game they weren't tested at all, so it's hard for me to make of you know how did Ryan Watts look and how did all the safeties look. Um, but that will certainly be tested by Alabama Saturday. Last one for you. And speaking of Alabama. Texas is not ready for Bama this Saturday. Overreaction? I think that's an overreaction. You know, right now, I mean, we'll see, we'll see where they are on on Saturday. But you know, I thought, I thought it was a good season opener for Texas. Um, you know, a lot of ways, it, it kind of reminded me of of last season's opener. Um, and then you know, followed up with a with a game against an SEC opponent. Um, but of course, you know Louisiana Lafayette was actually a good team last year. Didn't lose after playing Texas, so you know I don't think this game prepared Texas for Alabama coming in in, in the same way that the season opener should have prepared them. 
um, for that Arkansas game last year. Um, but that, I don't get the sense that, that, that this team is, is, you know, not ready. I, I think you know, having the second year in the system, um, you know, some of that continuity that the program hasn't had much of recently, um, I, I think those uh, should be major benefits for Texas. And, you know, they, they do have a core of guys that, that have been through it. So, um, you know, I, I think they'll be ready for that game. I think the biggest difference between this season and last year going into week two is that the offensive line for Texas is much bigger and looks a lot better. Yeah, I thought the offensive line um, did look solid. I haven't had a chance to um, do the rewatch yet, but, um, you know, just from my naked eyes, you know, they gave up three sacks. Uh, two of those were pretty immediate after Hudson Card came in in the third quarter. So just the, the one sack um, of yours that happened you know, in the red zone on that drive that stalled, that, that forced that first made field goal. Um, you know, but I, I thought the offensive line did a solid job. I, I didn't notice any, you know, major breakdowns. Um, you know, a couple instances where uh, Kelvin Banks and, and Hayden Connor were able to pick up, um, you know, some end tackle twists, which has been just a huge problem over the last decade for Texas. And, you know, that should be a fairly simple thing you know, especially given that most defensive coordinators really only run that on, on third down and in passing situations. But, um, you know, just something as simple as that uh, gives me some hope. And, you know, I thought, um, you know, Kelvin Banks, um, you know, wasn't noticeable in pass protection. And, you know, that's uh, something that you always want from your offensive tackles. Yeah. And a quick shout out to Jordan Whittington. Only had two catches, but Westcott, his blocking is – he might be one of the best blocking receivers for Texas since Lima Swede. Yeah, um, certainly threw a great block on the the 16-yard touchdown reception that Bijan Robinson had. I thought Xavier Worthy had a pretty solid block there, and um, you know Casey Kane depleted, um, you know that yeah BLM defensive back on that play too. I think you know he was really you know running it like he was going to run a route, and then. Right as he got to the top of it, he just uh, he pulled that guy over. Uh, Savion Red also had a good block on the touchdown run um, from Jonathan Banks. Uh, so I thought the downfield blocking uh, looked pretty positive for Texas, and you know, certainly that was an area that that uh, Worthy struggled in some last year. But you know, when Texas didn't have Whittington, it, it was a big um, you know loss, especially on third downs. But you know, it was also a big loss for his blocking ability too. And we can wrap up maybe with some final thoughts on the Jahil Billingsley suspension. Uh, Coach Stark mentioned after the game that he has been suspended for, for six games by the NCAA, not Alabama or Texas, but by the NCAA. What can you tell us about, about that, Westcott? Yeah, um, you know, Stark said that, you know, it wasn't a legal issue and that, um, you know, Billingsley has been doing well since he's been at Texas. Um, so, you know, certainly a loss for the Longhorns. He'll be back in mid-October. Uh, for the home game against Iowa State. Um, you know, for now, when uh, Texas wants to use a flex tight end, that'll be the role of Juan Davis, who, um, you know, had a nice block as well. Yeah. Uh, looking into the hole on that uh, Jonathan Brooks um, touchdown run. But, you know, um, Texas really based out of per, uh, 12 personnel. And that was, um, you know, Gunnar Helm and Jatavian Sanders. And, you know, I think the, the versatility and dual threat ability of Jatavian Sanders um, will fill the void, you know, as a receiver. So, you know, I, I don't think it's a, a huge loss for Texas, but, 
you know, certainly when they get Billingsley back, um, he'll provide some athleticism from that flex tight end position. And so he didn't play, obviously. And then Ajayi Hall, who was reported on Friday that he was going to be available by Anwar Richardson, was on the depth chart. He did not play. Um, Tariq Melton, I don't think he got any action either on Saturday. He did get Yeah, he did get a little bit. Okay. Um, yeah, not not really a lot of run at, at wide receiver. Um, he was not targeted, uh, but he was out there on the punt safe team on special teams, which I thought was interesting. I know Troy O'Mary, uh, he came in, I believe it was Charles, was it Charles Wright or Hudson Card who connected with him for that, that nine-yard catch? That was that was late in garbage time too. Yeah, that was, that was Hudson Card, but yeah, first um, – the debut for Troy O'Meary at Texas after the two ACL injuries, one catch for nine yards. Uh, nice to see him out there and, and be able to get his first catch. Uh, it's been a long road for him. I think the biggest biggest thing to take away, Wes Scott, is no injuries, right? No injuries for Texas. Uh, Calvin Banks did get a little bit dinged off, uh, came off for um, – One play, I think. One play, yeah, a couple plays. Uh, but he was able to get back out there. So, you know, getting out of the first game with no injuries, uh, Texas, other than the two season-ending injuries and uh, Alfred Collins missing the game, uh, he was dressed, um, but they decided to, to hold him out. Um, he had been practicing um, at least one practice last week, um, so he's expected to return. So, you know, Texas should be, um, you know, close to close to full health when they play Alabama, pending you know, any developments this week. I would love to know the last time we saw so many impact players that were freshmen in week one. Like, just looking at the defense, Westcott, like, Justice Finkley had some really nice plays in that game. Offensively, you know, he had, what, three, four offensive linemen that were true freshmen ended up playing in that one. Jalen Gilbo, he was all over the field. I mean, it feels like there was a ton of freshmen that were all over the field making impact plays for Texas, and that, that hasn't happened in a long time. Yeah, the um, 2022 class certainly showing out early. Uh, Jalen Gilbo actually started over Jade Barron, um, had a quarterback hurry, uh, broke up a pass on the first play. Um, only one tackle, but, um, you know, did have, you know, a hustle play there to, to throw the block for Deshaun Jameson to help him score. Uh, so I thought that was a really positive um, debut for Gilbo after, you know, really just a, a ton of buzz surrounding him. And, you know, I, I think, you know, John A. Barron is, you know, he'll play and he'll be in the rotation. Um, but, you know, Jalen Gilbo, uh, you know, may very quickly take over that that starting role. And um, he certainly looked the part in his debut. I think that'll wrap up our Monday reaction pod to Texas victory over Louisiana Monroe Warhawks. Any uh, any final takeaways you you want to get out, Scott, before we finish up? I think so. All right. We'll be back later this week. I'm thinking what, what day we, we want to publish. Are we going for Wednesday or Friday? Wednesday. Wednesday. All right. So check back here on the Burn Orange Nation podcast feed. Get you ready for Alabama. Uh, Jordan Spieth predicted Texas would win 52 to nothing. Uh you agree with that? Uh, I'm going to hard pass on that prediction. Opening line, uh, I think it was 17 and a half. It's now at 20. So uh, we'll get you ready for Alabama. Uh, thanks for listening.
Management's hard. Really, really hard.